Now, I should give a little, a little warning here. I am on the tail end fighting off a little bit of a cough, so I've been popping throat lozenges like Tic Tacs. I'm going to be drinking water all throughout this little sermon here. And we've got, a, we've got a person in the sound booth whose sole job is to have a button on the, his finger on the mute button in case I cough. Because I don't want to cough in front of, with all of you through the mic. Okay? So, hopefully, God willing, that I'm going to be okay for the next 15 or so minutes. So, you've heard four things. You've heard four things that you have got to have in place. Otherwise, you're almost guaranteed to misuse sex. And you'll end up misusing sex to fill one of those things you don't have in place. But there's one more. There's one more in the book of Genesis that you can just skip right by it. Like, like a small town in Iowa driving down 80. You just drive right by it. Okay? And if you don't notice, you'll miss it. And it's identity. There is one more. And this one, this might be the most important one of all. See, identity is a powerful thing. So this week, um, I was at a pastor's retreat. And it focused around uh, a personality assessment that we took called the SDI. And I won't go into all of it, but I wanted to highlight just two parts of it, of this incredibly complex, large-scale assessment. So first is, they had something called a conflict sequence. And that's the little triangle up on the screen, and you see a dot with an arrow. And that's what happens when you experience a real or perceived threat to your self-worth. So conflict isn't necessarily a fight, but it's a real or perceived threat to your self-worth. And notice how my arrow goes down into the green region. What that means is when I feel a threat to my self-worth, an argument, a criticism, a rejection, I tend to get intellectual. I get logical, I focus on facts, I, and I analyze the situation. Okay? This assessment also included something called identifying strengths. And so I, those were my top three strengths that I identified. Methodical, persevering, and fair. And that's pretty accurate. Those are very strong elements of my character and personality. But now notice, those are all green. Those are all considered green characteristics. And this is where it got interesting. I, I asked one of the instructors, why is it that my three strengths are all green, but I only live in the green world when I'm in conflict? when I feel a threat to my self-worth. Nobody in the, else in the room was like this. I actually went around. I, I went around and casually looked at everyone's results. Nobody else was like this. And even the guy who, who's done hundreds, thousands of these things looks at, that's very unusual. That should scare you, okay? That's just, I was like, oh boy. And so we started talking and we came up with a very sobering theory. It is possible that I live most of my life with a low-grade feeling of a threat to my self-worth. And I've been doing it for so long, I've actually gotten really good at it. That was a really scary thought. 
to think that I've spent most of my life or much of my life feeling a threat to my self-worth. That it's almost become my normal. It's become my normal identity. And, and that is something I really have to be aware of. Because if I am not aware of that, I will use other things. I will use my wife. I will use my place. I will use this church to build up my own self-worth. I'll use it to protect my identity. That's how powerful identity is. And that's why it's so important to understand where your identity comes from. So what has shaped your identity? What has? Are you what you achieve? Are you your culture? Your paycheck? Your Instagram? Are you what others think of you? Are you the things you've done right? Or the things you've done wrong? Are you all of these things? Or none of these things? Your identity is a powerful thing. And that is why it has to be firmly located in God. Otherwise, you are almost guaranteed to misuse anything, including sexual activity, to build up, to protect, to define your identity. Because we will protect our self-worth at all costs. And we see this. We see this, this sense, the importance of identity right in Genesis, in the same passage we've been talking about. See, God gave Adam and Eve identity before he gave them sex. Listen to this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Then with the woman, a few verses down. Then the Lord God made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And then if we go back a chapter to chapter 1, we learn why humans were made. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness. See, you were made by God to be like who? The world? No. God made you to be like him. God made you to be like him. Now, Genesis is just the beginning of our identity. Every person born is born with that identity of being made in the image of God. That's why every person has value and worth. But now if we take if we go through scripture even further and we jump to the New Testament, Jesus Christ changed our identity Completely, he, he fulfilled who God had intended us to be when he created us. 
See, if you are a Christ follower, you are the child of a king. You are God's beloved. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are his masterpiece. You were bought with a price. You were made alive in Christ. You were given a spirit of power, not of fear. You were forgiven of your sins. If you are in Christ, you are who God designed you to be. So if your identity is being formed by anything else but God, you will have a distorted view of who you really are. You will not be able to see that image of God inside you. You'll be living out a false person. So it's kind of like in Moana. Wonderful movie. The climactic scene when Moana takes on Taka, the lava monster. And it's powerful. And in a moment, Moana realizes. She tells the waters to clear. Let her come to me. And sings these words. I have crossed the horizon to find you. I know your name. They have stolen the heart from inside you. But this does not define you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. Who you truly are. And she returns the heart of Papiti to the lava monster. And the lava cools and cracks and reveals the beautiful Tafiti. The reason this scene is so powerful, because we have all felt like this. We all have a sense that there is something beautiful inside us. But we also know that we are monsters. We know the cruelty we can put upon another person. We know our laziness and our selfishness. We know the lava monster. And sometimes we forget that there is something beautiful inside us. But I believe we all have moments when we know it's there. It's those moments where you know you are better than how you reacted to your spouse or your friend. Where you know you are better than your fears or your anger or your violence. And you regret it the next day and you know, and, and you know there's something and you know that you are better than that. You know what that is? That is the image of God inside you. That sense that there is something better than those bad moments in your life, you're right. 
That is the image of God inside you. And just like Moana, this, this world will steal the heart from inside you. This world will do everything it can to, to steal what is great and blind you to who you are as a creation of God and who you are or could be in Christ. This world will tell you you are not. You are less than. And that is exactly what Satan wants to happen. Because Satan is the enemy of your soul. And the enemy of your soul will tell you that you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. That you're a failure, a loser, a reject. The enemy of your soul will tell you that you're too damaged to be loved by another person, let alone loved by God. But the creator of your soul will tell you that you belong to him. That you are his beloved. And there is nothing else on this planet like you. You are very good. And in Christ, you are enough. Now, what does all of this have to do with sex? I haven't talked about sex at all so far. But see, it has everything to do with sex. Because remember our core premise here. There are certain things that if you don't have firmly located in God, you're almost guaranteed to misuse sexual activity. And identity is one of the big ones. It is really easy, and it's quite common, for us to use all kinds of forms of sexual activity to define or build up our identity. Because we have forgotten, or maybe you never knew who you really are. So what could this actually look like for us? What could it actually look like to misuse sexual activity, to build up our own identity? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, I've got, I've got some examples here, okay? And see if any of these resonate with you. And I just want to encourage you, let yourself go deep here. Be honest, be vulnerable, and see if any of these connect some of your life experiences. Um, you use sex to validate a relationship. They really love me, or we're going to get married. We're having sex, so of course the relationship is good. Or you use sex to validate yourself. I'm beautiful. I'm worthy of love. Somebody wants to have sex with me. Or maybe you, you use sex to feel wanted. Or you give sex in order to receive love. How about anything that, that you, you give in to sex to keep a relationship together? Because you'd rather do that than be alone. 
Or how about you use anything of a sexual nature to distract you from not liking the person you see in the mirror or not liking the place God has put you? How about using anything sexual to fill up feelings of emptiness or loneliness? How about using porn or sex in TV and movies to bolster your own feelings of masculinity and femininity? It's a really easier way to get some of those shots of testosterone, estrogen, some of those feel-good chemicals in the brain? Or how about you define your core identity around your sexual orientation or your gender identity? And that becomes the fundamental of who you are. Or how about you use your beauty or your sexuality to build up your self-esteem, to get those likes on Facebook or Instagram? Because then it means you're beautiful. Or how about you just use sex to fill an intimacy gap left from your family of origin, from your mom, from your dad, and sex is the thing you're using to fill that. That's 12 right there. 12 ways we could misuse sex all to build up our identity. But the problem is all of that and every other way you could come up with, all of that robs you of who you truly are, a beloved creation and child of God. So we want to know how to have the best most satisfying sex life, to have the healthiest sexual identity and sexuality, understand your identity in Christ. See yourself as God sees you. Then you won't try to use sex to make up the difference. And that's really hard. After 35 years of being a Christian, I'm still struggling with it. And that personality assessment I took seems to support that. I'm still struggling with rejecting the messages I heard for so many years in school. And those are hard to unlearn, but not impossible. In Christ, you are loved. You are enough. And you are made to be like God. A bunch of us were walking around like lava monsters. When in reality, we are created by God as beautiful. Don't use sex to repair one misunderstanding and ignore the truth. Place yourself 
in Christ, created by God and loved by him. Join me in prayer. God, thank you that you are so loving. That you love us, not for anything that we do, but exactly for who we are. God, forgive us for all the ways we ignore who we are in you and we try to create and build and protect our own identity. Help us all. Lord, help me understand who we are in you. Help us plant our feet firmly in the garden you created for us so that we can live out as full and whole and holy people and the beautiful things you created us to be. Lord, so I pray against all of the false identities that we have built up, represented in this room, represented on those watching us on Facebook. I pray against all of those lies we believe. Those are messages from our enemy, Satan. They are not messages from you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray against all of those untruths, all of those false realities that we have believed, that we have internalized, and I pray the truth of Christ, the love of Christ, and the identity of Christ upon every person here in this room and online. In Christ, let, let us live out our true identity as people and as a church. Thank you, God. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.